give up. I will never stop. A tearful message from Kyron Horman's mom, a missing Portland boy who was last seen with his stepmother, Terry Horman, at his school science fair. Good morning. Um, I want to thank you all for coming out to support Kyron today. Um, this case back in the headlines with that news conference today. Today marks nine years since my son, Kyron Horman, disappeared. It has been nine years of not knowing where he went or what happened to him. Nine years without hugging him, Miles, or his laughs. Nine years without his love. My heart is broken. Kyron's case is considered by far the largest criminal investigation in Oregon state history. And his mother, now confident his disappearance is one step closer to being solved. Buckle up, investigators. You're on deadline. From the Hollywood Hills to your ear holes, this is True Crime Deadline. A podcast discussing cold cases, murder mysteries, and completely random thoughts. Now, here's your host, a man who stands in front of crime scene tape and talks on the TV box for a living, Mr. Mystery himself, Matt Johnson. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being with us. I'm Matt Johnson. Now, I have to warn you, this is a pretty disturbing case. It's a missing persons case, and I always find that missing persons cases, when they're involving innocent children, are a little bit more disturbing. Kyron Horman is a little boy who was last seen with his stepmom. And as you heard, I spoke with Kyron's mom, Desiree Young. This is an exclusive interview right before her press conference on the ninth anniversary of her son's disappearance. She doesn't hold back about her opinions about the stepmother. And she says that there is new information in the case. We'll share it with you. And that's really exciting stuff. So this is one of those cases that impact everyone, I feel, in Portland. And as soon as I moved to PDX to work as news anchor for the ABC station up there, everyone was already filling me in on the case. Everyone seems to be ready and hopeful for this case to finally be solved. And my message to everybody is no matter what the outcome, no matter what Terry did that day, we still have to find Kyron. We still have to bring him home. We still need to get answers. Kyron Horman was seven years old when he was last seen on June 4, 2010 at Skyline Elementary School near Forest Park in Portland. He's described as a smaller boy with glasses, light brown hair, blue eyes, and a big, huge smile. His... What do you think he'd be like as a 16-year-old now? <sighs> Mom, I don't think he'd be still be all of those things um kind of our measuring stick um is obviously our other family and mason kyron's cousin those two so extremely tight 
and very similar in personalities, which is probably why they've always gotten along so well. But Mason's the same age, and he's driving. Just got his license. And it's so hard to look at him and know that Kyron is missing all of this. And you hear the raw emotion in her voice right there. But I want to describe what this news conference that happened today actually looks like. So it's set inside a fire station in Skyline, which is down the street from the elementary school where Kyron was last seen with his stepmother, Terry Horman. And his mother has a bunch of pictures out, big smiling face in front of the podium of Kyron. She's wearing a button with that same picture and the word missing on it. She's wiping away tears, and she's pleading to one person, one person in the world that she thinks could crack the case wide open, that hasn't shared the full story. Terry Horman. What's your intention in holding Terry's feet to the fire here in the future? Do you have a plan? Can you talk about it? My plan always is to be very direct. I mean, obviously, I don't have a problem mincing words about it. Um, I have tried everything I can possibly think of to get her to sit down and talk to me to, um, I don't care, send me an anonymous letter that can't be tracked and tell me what you did. I'm okay with that too. I'm desperate at this point. It's been nine years. I want answers. And I don't, I honestly, um, I just want to bring him home. I want our family to be able to put this in a place where we can cope with it. Blue eyes. His stepmom, Terry Horman, had taken him to school that day that he disappeared. Now, ironically, or perhaps even subliminal, we don't know. Kyron, wearing a CSI TV show t-shirt when his stepmother, Terry, dropped him off at school. She takes his picture at the science fair next to his science project, and then he's never seen again. Terry Horman, Kyron's stepmother, was the last known person to see the second grader on June 4th. I believe that Terry Horman knows where Kyron is. Stepmom Terry Horman remains at the center of the investigation. Now, Kane Horman has filed for divorce and also slapped Terry with a restraining order. And Terry Horman has never been named a person of interest or a suspect in the case of missing Kyron Horman. But again, it's on Oprah, it's on Dr. Phil, it's on newscasts around the country, and everyone kind of feels galvanized to care about this boy. Jamie Wilson's right there. So she's a great journalist and a friend of mine. She was a reporter at the time at KPTV, the local Fox affiliate. KPTV's Jamie Wilson is live with the story. Jamie? When news broke about Kyron's disappearance. And it became pretty clear pretty fast that this was a very serious case. And I remember um, when Monday came around, all the media in Portland went up to the school and there was just this long line of live trucks. And... We, we kind of dubbed this area Camp Kyron because there, there became a pattern in the way that we would check in with the PIOs with the Sheriff's Department every couple hours, and there was a church right there, and they would hold briefings inside um, the sanctuary of this church. So the people who owned this church were lovely, and they said, absolutely, you can use this. And so this church right across from the school became our home base uh, for the press. 
and investigators, and that's where we got our briefing because we heard, you know, the latest details. And I, what I thought naively, I, I, I had covered lots of missing kid cases and, and false reports about kids, and I thought, oh, geez, this kid's going to come home. He's just, he's at a friend's house. They're, they're playing around, and it couldn't have been more different. And so little did we all know at the time this would be the biggest investigation in Oregon state history and it still is. Jamie covered the case for 3 months straight every angle, every single interview, every single new development. And on TV as you know, when we're talking about this sort of thing, we can't necessarily share our opinions, but we are observers. We're first-hand observers, which is why I love to be able to share these stories now and with this podcast. So let's say 4 or 5 days go by. And then the, the parents show up at the church, and they hold a press conference, and they're wearing T-shirts with Tyrant's picture on them, with big red lettering that says missing. And this became, wow, this is really getting real now. And so Tyrant's father, Kane Horman, and his stepfather, Tony Young, they stood together and asked for tips from the public to help bring Kyron home. And to see these two families stand up there together in solidarity, it was, you could tell the tension that was going on, you could tell how devastated they were. But I say that because I'll never forget seeing Kyron's mother, Desiree, standing behind her husband, crying. And Perry Horman was holding her arm and resting her head on Desiree's shoulder, and they were both crying. But I later found out that even in that press conference, in that early press conference, Desiree suspected, Desiree told me that she suspected that Terry had done something to Kyron. So when I think back to that first press conference, knowing that now, it's a very eerie feeling. Because... They were, they were one unit together, in it together at that point, at least we thought. And then in the following days, it all fell apart. It all fell apart. Despite the case drawing national attention, no arrests have ever been made. No official suspects have ever been named. And there is no trace of Kyron. His mother, Desiree, has never stopped searching for her little boy. It'll be nine years this June. And where does it stand um, with the investigation? Uh, well, we've actually uh, been doing a lot of new searches. Um, we've g gotten um, tips turned over to us that uh, we got to um, investigate for the first time. And uh, we have new computer evidence and new technology that we're utilizing. So we have actually had more progress in Kyron's case in the last, I would say, year, year and a half than we have uh, probably in the entire case. That's really exciting. That's great. Yeah, it is really exciting. And then with your new leads, um, where are you focusing? Like um, I can share that we've narrowed it down to a much smaller area than we had on 2000, in 2010. Um, I don't 
don't know if I can give a specific number um, because law enforcement has asked me not to share it, but I can say with all of the new information, we've narrowed it down to less than 100 acres. That's great. Yeah. How, how are you doing as a mother? I mean, you must think about him every day, every minute of every day. I, you know, every single day is a challenge. Um, I just, you know, it just depends on what's going on. Right now is probably the hardest time I, I have throughout the year. Uh, between spring break and June 4th, I'm just kind of a mess. And, you know, it's Mother's Day, it's Easter, it's June 4th, it's my birthday. There's a ton of things that are all small time frame, and it just makes it super emotional. And it's challenging, you know. Um, you can be thinking you're fine, and you go into a store and you see a little kid that reminds you of Kyron and then you're a mess again. And so I think that's one of the things that not a lot of people understand um, is that the, the roller coaster is up and down and it's every single day and there's not any answers, nothing firm right now. And so it just keeps going. There's, it's never ending trauma. I believe that he's still in Portland. I believe that Terry's a horrible person and most likely did something really horrible that day. But I still have to keep looking for him until I find out otherwise. Now, the stepmother, Terry Horman, has never been named a suspect. We should make that clear. But here's the timeline that she tells police, and it has changed over the years. She says on June 4th, she takes him to the science fair at Skyline Elementary School. That morning, she takes some pictures of him and then watches him walk down the hall to his first class. However, he's never seen in the first class, and he's marked absent for the day. Terry says that she leaves the elementary school to run errands, and she goes to a local Fred Meyer store for a few hours, then drives around with her infant daughter in the car to put her to sleep, then goes to the gym to work out, and then goes home and posts pictures of Kyron on Facebook. At around 3.30 in the afternoon, Terry and Kyron's dad, Kane, walk to the bus stop to pick up Kyron, only he's not there. The bus driver says he was never on the bus. They call the school and they say that he was absent for the day. The school secretary, she's the one who gets involved and calls 911. June 4th, 2010, we learned of a missing boy after this phone message went out to parents around Portland. Skyline second grader, Tyron Harmon, did not arrive home from school today. And do you think that he made it to school that day? What What is your working theory on, on that? Because I know that some people thought that maybe the picture had been taken before. Nope, I know for sure, 100%. The picture was taken in the school. It's GPS. It's confirmed. It's verified. We know exactly what time she took the picture, where she was at, and it's confirmed with technology. So she was in the school at 8.45 taking that photo of Kyron in front of his exhibit. I know that she left the school. She left with Kyron. And we have 
have eyewitnesses that place them outside the school in route to the truck. It's from that point where it gets unknown. Months go by and suspicion surrounding Terry Horman continues to grow. In June of 2010, during the height of the disappearance and search effort, Kyron's father, Kane, reportedly tells investigators that Terry had hired the landscaper to kill him. However, the investigation is botched by the DA who threatened the landscaper to wear a wire or be deported. So anything that was said couldn't be used. In August, Terry also failed two separate polygraph tests surrounding Kyron's disappearance. From the get-go, I was an outsider. It's the first time most people have heard Terry Horman's voice, let alone listen to what she has to say. Terry Horman claims investigators zeroed in on her early, and she disputes the circumstances of her failed polygraph test. I was never asked in any polygraph if I had murdered Kyron, if I had harmed him in any way. There, there is just so much information that is not being told to the public. At what point are they and I'm referring to law enforcement, I'm referring to the biological parents. At what point are they going to realize, I don't have the answers? We know who did this, we know who's involved, and we know the basic circumstances. Um, I know that fate will step in. I know that she will get hers um, eventually. I hope I'm around to see it. But again, we did speak with detectives working the case. They say the investigation is ongoing. Live in Beaverton at the Wall of Hope, Matt Johnson, K2 News. Now that news report is done in front of what is called the Wall of Hope. And that's the first time I met Desiree. So the Wall of Hope is a collection of notes, teddy bears, balloons, toys. It's a place where people go and reflect on this terrible story. And they also light candles and they pray for Kyron's safe return. Originally, it was located over at his school, Skyline Elementary, but then because of the district or something, it had to move. So they moved it down the street in front of the gym where Terry used to work out. And remember, she said she was there that day when Kyron disappeared. Do you ever visit the wall? Where do you go to talk to your son? Do you just do that at the house, in the car? Do you go to the wall at all? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> um, one of the things that I do often um, is when I do go up to Portland, I drive around and I look for Kyron. And, you know, every time I do, um, I call law enforcement, we have a meeting, we have a briefing, and I sit down with them. And, of course, the question always is, are you going to be out searching? Yep, absolutely. I don't know why you're asking me that. You know that that's all I can do. So, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to keep searching until Kyron comes home. So I do that. I <clears throat> I have Kyron's room that I go into, and I use it um, as a place of reflection and prayer. And I uh, talk to him, and... Um, it helps me stay focused and it helps me to not get so frustrated. Um, I also go to the wall sometimes, although um, the wall is different and it doesn't um, mean the same thing now that most of it's been taken down. I'm sure it's hard to talk about the case, but uh, I'm sure it's probably a relief that there that there's people that are still interested in talking about it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 
it's challenging after nine years. You still got to keep everybody interested. Um, but yeah, it's it's very. I, I'm always encouraged by how much interest and support that Kyron gets. Uh, I think that was one of the uh, biggest mistakes that Terry made in 2010 was underestimating how much everybody would love Kyron, and I think that that's been to her detriment. So um, I always want people to, you know, support and share his story. Um, I still, to this day, uh, you know, going through a grocery store or uh, wherever I'm at, a doctor's office, if somebody sees my button or my bracelet, they ask me about it. Well, they don't know about Kyron's story. I always use that opportunity to share his story and ask them to share his story, you know. Um, it's it just keeps it there in the public eye. It, if nothing else, it keeps pressure on Terry, and um, it helps us keep searching for him. And you know, it's um, I think it's critical in these cases to keep the coverage alive. How can people help with the case? You know, one of the things that we have started doing is asking people that if they had turned over a tip, um, you know, since 2010 and that they haven't heard from law enforcement to provide that information to our Facebook pages, uh, Missing Kyron Horman, Kyron Horman's World Soldiers, or um, Justice for Kyron. And... If they provide that to us, then we will ensure that law enforcement gets it and follows up on it. And that has provided actually some new information for us. So it's extremely important that if people feel like they haven't been heard or that they turned in information and maybe it didn't go anywhere, you know, unfortunately, and, and it's been a good thing for Kyron, but it also can be a bad thing. We have thousands of, of tips that have been provided to law enforcement, and that causes a challenge in not just organization, but also resources. So we just want to make sure that everything has been buttoned up, everything's been followed up on and double-checked and triple-checked, and so that's what we've been doing. They can always reach out if they want to help Kyron. They can reach out to our pages. Um, we're always looking for volunteers or people that care that want to help with searches or just even um, doing research on the computer. I mean, there's tons of different things that volunteers help with. So, uh, you know, I'm always open for any assistance somebody wants to provide. Absolutely. And thank, thank you for talking to me. And um, if by chance, you know, he hears this podcast, what's your message to, to your little boy? Kyron Richard Horman is turning 16 years old this year. If you have any information in the case, please call Multnomah County Sheriff's Office tip line at 503-988-0560. There's a $50,000 cash reward for information leading to a resolution in the disappearance. You never know when you're going to find that one person who has information or knows Terry or saw something or 
who knows, saw somebody who was talking with Terry in that week or whatever the case. You just don't know. Fate always steps in. It always has a hand in the conclusion and the answers. And if we're not sharing his story, we're not talking about it, we're not getting it out there, then that's when we're not helping Kyron. We're never going to get answers if we just sit back and hope that they're going to come to us. Also at the news conference, Desiree announced that she's been working with the New York Times bestselling author, Rebecca Morris, about the case. And she writes the last chapter in this book entitled, Love You Forever. It's going to be a story about Kyron Horman. And she's talking about being the mother of a missing child and what it's been like for the past nine years. All proceeds could help other cases of missing children. Pick up a copy. Another part of this partnership that was extremely important to me is for any book proceeds that will come to me will go directly to help a missing children nonprofit of my choosing. For more information about this case and others, if you're in the U.S., visit the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children website. Abroad, visit the Global Missing Children's Network. And thank you. Thank you for investigating True Crime Deadline with Matt Johnson. For more information about the podcast, visit truecrimedeadline.com. And remember, all tips regarding a case should go to the police. Until next time. Mr. Gatsby, want a cookie? Good boy. I also want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please write a review or tell a friend. It really helps this podcast pop up in searches, and it's going to help get more listeners, hopefully, involved in cases like this. Also, special shout out. Thank you to listeners who wrote a review. Crime Shark, Melissa Morgan, and Impolandy. Thank you for the awesome reviews. And if you write a review, you're going to get a shout out. But until next time.